Welcome to Swimming Upstream, the podcast about Catholicism, technology, culture, baseball, and whatever else might come up. I'm your host, Eric Sammons. Hello and welcome. Today I want to talk about a subject that is both uh, necessary and distasteful, to be honest. And I'm talking about what has uh, dominated Catholic news over the past uh, few weeks, but even a couple months, and that is the scandal involving former Cardinal McCarrick, now Archbishop McCarrick. He recently resigned from the College of Cardinals, so he's no longer a Cardinal. And it's something I think most people are familiar with. I actually lived in uh, the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, uh, I'm sorry, the Archdiocese of uh, Washington, D.C., when McCarrick was the Archbishop there. And it's one of the things that has been said about uh, McCarrick and his proclivities, his activities over the past decades, is that everybody knew. And it's true, in a sense, because I knew about, at least somewhat, about the fact that he was uh, active, sexually active with uh, priests, seminarians, other people, adults. I did not know, and I, don't, I, I honestly think this was less known, that he was also abusing uh, young children like this um, man James who came out recently, a family friend who uh, McCarrick baptized actually shortly after he was ordained, and that he abused for for many, many years. And the fact is, is that when we say everybody knew, what's most important about that is people who were in a position to do something about it also knew, i.e. other bishops, priests, seminary rectors, uh, you know, seminarians, uh, who saw it going on, but nobody did anything. Now, I take that back a little bit. There was a group of lay people who went to Rome when he was going to be potentially uh, nominated for uh, Archbishop of Washington to complain and to, and to say this, something. And their, their complaints, were they fell on deaf ears. And so really nothing happened with that. But the most important thing is different bishops knew. And I'm going to name a few names here of people I don't know for sure that they knew, but it's Almost unbelievable they didn't. Cardinal Farrell is probably the number one uh, person in this list. He's the head of the Family Life, um, I don't know, Congregation, Diacracy, I can't remember what it is, in, uh, at the Vatican. And he, oh, just had something fall there. And he had, um, and he was, he lived with Cardinal McCarrick, Archbishop McCarrick, for years. And he claims now that he knew nothing. And I just have a hard time believing that. Also, uh, Cardinal Wuerl, who is the um, successor to uh, McCarrick in D.C., he says he knew nothing, although there were uh, payments made by other dioceses for complaints against him during the, uh, uh, you know, for many years, and so supposedly he didn't know. Cardinal O'Malley of Boston says he didn't know anything, even though a priest lodged a complaint to him, and he says that he didn't take, he didn't personally receive it which is lawyerese for saying, somebody told me about it, but I didn't actually hold it in my hands. And so I don't believe him either. And there were others as well that, that likely knew and did nothing about it. And frankly, their denials and their responses to this, their lawyer-filled lawyer response statements to this, is, are beyond belief. And I have to admit, I think I join a lot of lay people in saying, I'm fed up. I'm just completely fed up with this. This, is, this has become beyond uh, ridiculous. This has become diabolical, I would say. And so the question becomes, what is it that lay people should do? We have this situation, and so what is it we can do? 
Now, I want to say, take a step back again and talk about the, the scope of this. Many bishops, I'm sure, knew about what Carl McCarrick was doing. They may not have known about the abuse of minors, but they knew that he was sexually active with seminarians, with priests, and he was living a lifestyle that was contrary to his calling, to his vocation. And so, and also, the fact is, is that the people who knew her and did nothing, it goes up pretty high. Because if you think about it, this scandal, it spans decades, not just McCarrick, but all of those who have been involved, all the bishops who have covered up for priests, all the bishops who have been involved themselves, and nothing has been done about them. It's been going on for decades, and so this spans multiple popes. I like to, you know, a quick way to look at it is Pope John Paul II, he simply ignored the problem. Some people defend him and say, well, when he was growing up in Poland, this is what the communists did to, uh, they would accuse priests of being sexual predators, and that's how they would, dis, uh, you know, they, they would get him arrested for, on false charges. Okay, that might be true, but the fact is he ignored the problem. Many of the appointment, many of the people who are uh, bishops say are problematic were appointed by him. Now, McCarrick was appointed right before by uh, Paul VI, I believe, about a year before uh, John Paul II became pope. But many of them were appointed by John Paul, and he did nothing. You know, people like Mahoney, Weakland, people of that nature, they didn't, you know, and John Paul II did nothing about it. Obviously, the, the founder of the Legion, Father Maciel, he, you know, he was a, a predatory monster, and yet it took forever for anything to be done about him. Pope Benedict XVI, it seems like he did know there was a problem, and he was the one who really pushed to get rid of Father Maciel from uh, the Legion of Christ. But he only did a very little bit, and then he quit. Some people say he quit because of this, because there was such a strong network of these predatory bishops that, that basically he quit. And that's the, the fact is he quit. I mean, I don't know how else you can spin that in a good way. When the going got tough, he got going. I love Pope Benedict. I love his writings. I, I loved a lot of aspects about him as Pope. But the fact is he quit. And now we have Francis, who doesn't seem to be ignoring these uh, problematic bishops, but he's promoting them. To cardinalists like Cardinal Farrell. I mean, he, he was a, uh, made a cardinal by um, Pope Benedict. Cardinal Kupich in Chicago, who has been terrible on so many things, he gets promoted. And so really what's happened is I think the disgust among the laity for what has been going on has reached levels not seen since the Protestant Reformation. Let's remember the Protestant Reformation, one of the key factors for it igniting into the fire that overtook Europe that, that it did was discussed at the hierarchy. Yes, Martin Luther had theological reasons why he uh, broke away from the church. And yes, you know, people like Calvin and others had it. But the people who have theological differences with the church don't ignite large-scale revolts unless there is already a, a, a presupposition of distrust and hatred of the leaders of the Catholic Church, of the Catholic Church. And that's what happened in the Protestant Reformation. And I think we're seeing that today, that level of disgust at the hierarchy for the scandals that have been going on. And so now the question becomes again, what are we supposed to do as lay Catholics? Because we don't want to leave the church. We don't want to be Martin Luther's. That's the last thing we want to be. That's the worst thing we could be as Martin Luther's in this time. We don't want to fall into schism. We don't want to leave the church. And so I wrote an article recently for Crisis Magazine where I talk about this. I say how basically we have to, as Catholics, we have to always remember that the bishop has authority given him by God. The office itself has this authority. We can never deny that. He is the 
head of his diocese. He has autonomy over that. He is, you know, when, when united with the other bishops in union with the Pope, he can define, uh, you know, doctrine and faith and morals. There's all, you know, this, this authority really comes from him. He has the authority to move, uh, I'm sorry, uh, priests around his diocese, things like that. He has that authority. We can't really dispute that. But what we can do is recognize that most of these men, most of the bishops, I'm talking mostly in our country, have lost their moral authority, meaning the authority comes from being a good leader, from being an, an example for others. And they've lost that authority. And so what I think as lay people, one of the main things we need to do is we need to work to replace the men, not replace the office, not eliminate the office, but replace the men who are holding the office. And I mean a significant number of them. I'm not talking about maybe one or two people like a, a scapegoat like McCarrick might become, but I mean a large number of them, including a large number of cardinals who have been complicit in this and who have done nothing to, to stop it. They have given statement after statement basically saying, oh, we need new policies, we need to, do th we need to follow the Dallas Charter, and yet all the while they're doing this, the abuse continues. The, the, the homosexuality, active homosexuality in the priesthood continues, and they do nothing about it. And so, yes, I think a large number of bishops and cardinals need to be replaced. We don't deny the authority of the office. We put men in there, though, who are worthy of the office, or at least recognize that they're unworthy of it, and they do everything they can in humility to be worthy of it. And so, specifically, now, what can lay Catholics do? I think the first thing, and I, I know everybody's going to say, well, of course he says that. The first thing we have to do is pray and fast. We, we, we just cannot, we cannot um, underestimate this. We cannot minimize the importance of praying and fasting. It's vitally important. This is the only way we're really going to have a spiritual change. This is a spiritual problem. The only way we're going to have a spiritual, pro a spiritual change is through prayer and fasting. You know, most of the bishops have been have not mentioned the fact that this is a problem of sin. This is a problem of structural sin, that sin being accepted as okay. This is a problem of, of people who are in danger of going to hell. And so we need to pray and fast. One, one uh, suggestion I would make specifically is, I think maybe as Catholics we need to start praying the divine office at 3 o'clock each day for, for our bishops and for the church, for a reform, a renewal in the church. The Divine Mercy Chaplet is a beautiful uh, prayer devotion, and it really calls to mind the crucifixion, the suffering and crucifixion of our Lord, which... You know, I feel like he's going through again today in his church. Another thing we, we can do as, as lay Catholics is work to live virtuously in our own lives and build up our own family. The fact is, future bishops will come from Catholic families today. And so if families today, Catholic families today, aren't living a life of virtue, aren't living the faith, their kids won't either, and they'll become the bishops of tomorrow who don't really live it out either. And so we need to be living virtuously. Our number one focus, if you're a parent, your number one focus needs to be your children. That's the best way to overcome this scandal, to combat it, is to, is to work on your own personal holiness, but also on building up your children so you have a holy family. So your sons particularly will be strong, manly men who, if they go to a seminary that has problems one day, they'll know what to do. If, if, a, if a pervert like Cardinal McCarrick wants to get in bed with them, they'll punch him in the face, which is the appropriate response that a young man should have when somebody does something like that. I think a lot of these young men, you know, the, the Cardinal McCarrick, uh, I'm sorry, Archbishop McCarrick, he knew 
how to pick, I mean, all these predators do, they know how to pick the specific people that they want to prey upon because they're weak, because of their upbringing often. They're not going to speak up. They're not going to uh, push him away and things like that. And so we need to build strong young men, strong men who will uh, live the faith, make sacrifices of faith, and they'll call out uh, when, when people are doing things like what McCarrick was doing. Now, those are two things like kind of like, Okay, we pray, we live virtuously. And a lot of people might be saying, okay, great, of course we know to do that. But I want to know exactly what we can do now. What can we do to actually let the bishops know how angry we are? And here are some suggestions. The first one is, I think we demand to the USCCB that they investigate this situation fully. And by that, I mean everybody involved, anybody who knew even once that McCarrick was doing this crap and did nothing about it and stayed silent. I don't care if they're the bishop of you know, Timbuktu in Iowa or something, if they knew about it and they didn't do anything about it, they need to be replaced. And we demand that, that heads are roll. Heads will roll. If they do some investigation and basically McCarrick goes and that's it, well, then they didn't do an investigation. What needs to happen is many bishops need to be uh, forced to resign, told you need to step down immediately. And the USCCB tells the Vatican, hey, get rid of this guy because he was complicit. And if it doesn't include a few cardinals, we also know it wasn't serious. Now, the problem, of course, with the USCCB is it's run by bishops. So it's run by people who are, they're not going to want to lose their own jobs, their own cushy, you know, comfortable lifestyles, going to the cocktail parties and, and things in high society. They don't want to lose that. So it's going to be difficult. But that's where if the bishops who aren't part of the problem, maybe they're bishops of, of these obscure places, if they stand up to the cardinal uh, ferals and the cardinal uh, whirls and, and the cardinal O'Malley's and they tell them you are part of the problem, then perhaps something will happen. The, the, the issue is that the USCCB, the bishops, is an old boys club. I mean, they're, they're, they're like the Senate. They're going to always protect their own. And they need to realize we're not going to stand for that anymore. I think practically another thing we can do is stop giving to them. I know this is controversial. I've had people complain to me when I suggested this previously in an article that, well, I like my parish. I like my priest. You know, I don't want to stop giving to my parish because someone goes to the diocese because I like what they're doing. Well, number one, this is an issue of conscience for you. You're not required to give to your parish if you don't want to, but you're not required to stop giving either if you don't want to. But I would say don't ever give to anything associated with the USCCB, ever, nothing. They get nothing until many bishops' heads roll. They, they should get nothing. And I think you should consider you know, not giving to your parish or giving less to your parish. Now, here's the caveat. Give more to other Catholic organizations, especially like lay-run Catholic organizations, and, and, and religious orders that are solid, yes, they, they also answer to a bishop in a sense, but it's less likely that money is going to go directly to a, the bishop's pockets. I mean, by the way, I don't think bishops are greedy and like hoarding this money for themselves. I think taking the money away from them is a way to make them realize they need to listen to us. So yeah, don't give money to them. I also, another suggestion I have is, I think uh, a prayer vigil should be organized at the next USCCB meeting in uh, November. They hold a meeting twice a year in some fancy hotel usually, and I believe the one in November is always in Baltimore. They have not announced the dates for it yet or location, but I think the November one's always in, in uh, Baltimore. What would it be like if when they went into the hotel, every time they went, there was a large group of Catholics, faithful Catholics, who were praying that they do something about that and praying in repentance? praying for forgiveness, and perhaps have speakers talk about the various things that have, that have transpired under their watch, the, the evils that have transpired under their watch with them doing nothing. Make it very clear to them that we're fed up with this, 
that we don't that we demand that they that they make changes to how things are done and they demand that they do something about it and I also think we should just confront bishops, write letters to them, tell them why you're not giving money to USCCB, why you're not giving money to the bishop's appeal. Tell them exactly what you expect them to do. Tell them that you're sick and tired of what they have been doing over the past few decades. Let them know. Also, when you see them, when you're at some event and you see them and you're shaking their hand, tell them. Confront them right there. Make them uncomfortable. Now, obviously, I'm not at all calling for physical violence. That would be that would be just completely counterproductive and stupid and immoral. But I am calling to make them uncomfortable. Here's the thing. Bishops want to be, they want the status quo to continue. That's basically their job. They always want the, 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 the status quo, the comfortable thing to always be going on. If we make them uncomfortable by reminding them every time we see them, have you done anything about this? And if they say it's not my responsibility, say, yes, it is. As a shepherd of souls, it is your responsibility. If we're constantly confronting them, if we're writing them letters, we're letting them know, we're, and, and we do it obviously in a Catholic charitable way, but in a very, by the way, charity, charity often means directness. If somebody's an alcoholic, it's not charitable just to always be nice to them. You tell them to their face, you need to do something like this. You need to go to treatment. And so somebody, when a bishop's not doing anything they're supposed to be doing, you tell them directly, you should be doing this. You need to be doing that. So we need to do everything we can to make the bishops uncomfortable. Now, what is it exactly we're looking for from them? What, what do we want the bishops to do? I have four things in my mind that if I saw a bishop doing this, I would feel like, okay, he gets it. He's making progress. The first thing I would ask a bishop to do is come out with a statement that isn't written by your lawyer. I think there's been two bishops so far, the bishop of Fort, Fort Worth, Texas, and the bishop of Albany, I believe, have both come out with statements that I believe are, are good statements because they make a very clear uh, point that this is a matter of sin, that this is a matter of, in need of repentance and something needs to change. And so I would say, first of all, ask your bishop to come out with a statement. And, and I would like a bishop to come out, every bishop to come out with a statement very strongly condemning McCarrick, um, condemning this as sin, saying this is sin, and taking blame for it. I don't care if you didn't know specifically at McCarrick this was going on. You should take personal responsibility as a, college, as a bishop in the College of Bishops. The second thing I would say is your bishop should be demanding that the USCCB do something. Like we say we're doing it. Well, the bishop's a member of the USCCB. He can help dictate what they're going to talk about, what they're going to address. Demand that the USCCB set up an investigation by unbiased people who probably lay people who are outside the system, who have the authority to say, yeah, I think Cardinal Farrell needs to go, and you better get rid of him. And they make that public. Have the bishop, a bishop needs to demand the USCCB do that. Another thing I would say a bishop has to do, he has to address the big, fat, pink elephant in the room, which is homosexuality in the clergy, active homosexuality in the clergy, even worse. The fact is, is that the John Jay report uh, that came out after the original abuse crisis in 2002, the priestly abuse crisis, showed that the vast majority of abuse cases were to, boy, to men, young men who were teenagers. I mean, I think 80%, something like that. It was not a case of pedophilia in most cases. It was a case of homosexuality. And, and so therefore, you know, the fact that so many uh, priests and now, and now we know bishops are likely involved in homosexual relationships is a scandal that cries to heaven for vengeance. And so a bishop needs to come out and clearly state that, that homosexual, active homosexuals should be ousted from the priesthood, 
that seminaries should tighten up their standards and not allow uh, homosexuals into the priesthood. And again, a homosexual, somebody with a homosexual um, orientation can be a saint. They can be truly holy. But that doesn't mean they should be a, they should be a priest. You know, if you don't, if you live as, in fact, I want to say, I don't know a lot of people I would call holy in my life, but a few of the, I, a few I do, a number of them are people who were uh, homosexual active, have a homosexual orientation, and they no longer act upon it. They're some of the holiest people I know. And so it's never, not saying you can't be holy and have a homosexual orientation, but you shouldn't be a priest. And a bishop needs to address that fact plainly and clearly. Yeah, they're going to get pushed back. Yeah, they're going to be attacked. But that's what they need to do if they really are serious about cleaning up the mess that they've made. And then the last thing I would say that a bishop should do, that I would say, okay, now they're serious. They should start leading public penance services for reform, for forgiveness for what they and we have done to allow this to happen. And yes, I mean potentially literally sackcloth and ashes. I mean they should be specifically going out there and having, you know, making it very clear that this is a spiritual problem, that it, is, it deserves repentance on their part, and so they should be leading public penance in which they are truly leading it. They are saying, I am sorry personally. I have sinned, and I beg forgiveness. And I am going to do, maybe I'm going to do a fast for, you know, for, for a week or, some, or Fridays or something like that. If a bishop did those four things, they they make a strong Catholic statement. They demand the USCCB do something about this, and they help make that happen. They address the elephant in the room, which is homosexuality in the clergy, and also they, they perform public penance, and they lead their diocese to public penance. Then I think I would say, okay, this bishop gets it. This bishop is the, one that, uh, the type that we want to keep, the type that will lead us into a, reform, a, a renewed church that can really be one that spreads the gospel throughout the world. So far, I've seen two bishops who have done the first step, and no other bishops have even done that. And so, obviously, we have a long ways to go. So as lay people, let's continue to pray and fast, let's continue to live virtually, build up our family, and let's continue making the bishops' lives uncomfortable until they address this seriously. Okay, well, that was intense. I know. I, was, I, I, I admit I'm very um, emotional about this, and I get very intense about it because I think it's such a crisis, and I, because I, I love the church, and I want the church to be that beacon of light in the world, to be the, 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 the institution that brings the light of Christ to the world. And it, it just can't do that as long as we have this crisis going on in the Episcopate with the bishops. But that's it for today. Um, until next time, keep swimming against the stream.